Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trumbull from The Alex Trumbull Show. And today, <laughs> today is a good day. And you know, today is a good day because we're going to try something a little bit different, a little, a little bit unique, right? Today, I want to introduce you to the phrase double trouble. What is double trouble? Well, double trouble is what you're in for today. See, today, instead of having one guest with me, we're going to have two phenomenal individuals with us having a conversation about what it takes to one, move you up in your career, but two, how do you as an organizational leader be intentional with developing succession planning within your organization to ensure that your organization is ready for the future? Doesn't that sound good? <laughs> so. The first guest we're going to be bringing today will be Shane Campfield. See, Shane Campfield is the CEO for the Worldwide Assurance for Employees of Public Agencies. In short, WEBA. <laughs> but before that, he was the Executive Director for the Council of Employees Benefits and the Executive Director for Educators Benefit Services. So he's been in senior leadership positions for over 20 years, and he wanted to bring and share that with you all and us all today. The second individual we have come to the stage is my good friend, Tanisha Agramonte. See, Tanisha is the Chief Diversity Officer at a little-known Fortune 500 telecommunications company. Yeah, Molarilla Solutions. <laughs> and before that, she served as the Director of the Office of Civil Rights for the U.S. Department of Commerce. So putting these two phenomenal individuals on one podcast together could be nothing less than what our old friend used to say, some good trouble. <laughs> so look, without any further ado, my good friends, Tanisha Agramonte and Shane Canfield. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trimble from the Alex Trimble Show. And man, are we in for an awesome conversation today. Um, I have two really good friends with us today. And actually, would you do me a quick favor, a solid in introducing yourself? Um, let's go Shane first, then Miss Tanisha. Thanks, Alex. Great to be here with you again. Uh, so I'm uh, the CEO of WEPA, which is a nonprofit for over 70 years dedicated to providing life insurance to civilian federal employees and exclusively that. Um, our board are all civilian federal employees and outside of the employer Fegley plan, we're the largest provider of life insurance, group term life insurance. So it's 46,000 people and um, oh, great to be with you, Alex. Awesome, thank you so much. Miss um, Tanisha. Well, good evening to all your listeners. Hello, Alex, Shane. It is so wonderful to be here on this panel with you tonight for this podcast and sort of webcast now that I know. <laughs> um, my name is Tanisha Agramonte. I am a career chief diversity officer, EEO practitioner, diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioner. I tell everyone that is what I was put on this earth to do but I do that for different companies. And so currently I serve as the chief diversity officer for Motorola Solutions. Prior to joining Motorola Solutions as its chief diversity officer, I spent 23 years in the federal government, the last seven of which I served in the senior executive service uh, doing the same type of work, civil rights, EEO and DE&I. Awesome, 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 awesome. So. We're going to jump right into this like double dutch. Um, 
I wrote this book a, a, a while back called the reaching senior leadership and how that book started off was that as a story of me talking to an HR professional, when we were really young in our career saying, look, at some point, at some point, the numbers just going to bear out. Um, there's going to be an opportunity for, for us to move into more leadership positions simply because people will get older, they'll retire and so on and so forth. And, and what I'm getting at is succession planning, but you know what happened just when we thought that wave was coming, we got a wave of COVID. And in and, and, and my conversations with, with employees, both federal um, and other sectors, a lot of people have decided to delay retirement because why not? They're being able to work at home. They're with their families. They're, they're having a good time while still providing value to the organizations they're with. So my question to you, just to kick us off, um, how do you think succession planning has been impacted, affected by this recent pandemic? And, and let's throw this out to Ms. Tanisha first. Great. I was hoping I was going to follow Shane on this, <laughs> but there's so much to say. First and foremost, I'll say, I think COVID has reshaped how we envision the workforce in our workplace, right? So as you alluded to, now we have remote work. Um, that has enabled a lot of individuals to have better work-life balance, which is why you're seeing more people stay but the other side of that coin is you're seeing more people leave. So more people are leaving because I don't think in particular for women, there was a deep appreciation at the beginning of COVID of just how hard it would be to manage your work responsibilities in your home responsibilities. And so we found a lot of women who were caring for, who were the primary care uh, providers in most cases. That doesn't mean men don't also serve in that role, but primarily women were serving in that role, taking care of children and trying to participate in video calls and keeping up with the demands of work, um, especially when maybe some were asked to return back to work if they had some essential jobs or frontline workers, but the daycare centers still weren't open, the schools still weren't open or you had elderly care that you were dealing with. And so I think COVID has impacted not only where we work, when we work. Um, and so the way that it's impacted succession planning is really first being leaders who are people-centric, demonstrating that empathy around that work-life balance. Um, and then I think the succession planning is sort of secondary to that because it's part of the retention. And so it is, who can I make sure that when we're out of this environment or as people are leaving because of the resignation, who's prepared to fill those slots? Well, and I want to leave something for Shane. Shane, you take a shot. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking uh, you covered an awful lot of it. Um, I do think the confluence of COVID and the workplace changes that, the, that you were just talking about matter greatly. People now could stay perhaps the baby boomer generation. We've heard a lot about the great retirement. And it was very easy for people to put it off for a couple of years. Um, uh, they're working from home. They don't have a commute anymore. Um, and, and in some ways that stalled some of the um, workforce planning and succession plans, if you will, but it also um, created 
it, it, it creates a little bit of opportunity for us as, as business leaders to really get our hands around succession planning. What does it look like? How do we, who do we want to bring in? What skills do we need? How do we fulfill the mission? And I think that there's a lot of talk around succession planning, and I'll loop that together with workforce planning. I really think those two are inseparable. They used to be kind of two separate um, disciplines and analysis, if you will. But I think um, to all your points about uh, people staying home, especially elder care in the home, this is increasing tremendously. I, I, some friend of mine, uh, at, friends of mine at Pepsi have, have put together a program with ARP to try to deal with employees who are also caregiving for elderly parents, for example. But I, <clears throat> I think that the, the final piece in making people not retire when they want, wanted to is if you recall in 2020, the economy went down hard. And, um, you know, people saw their 401ks, their TSPs, people saw their um, checking uh, uh, account balances uh, really hit with additional expenses, but also a lot of two earner households. It, a lot of people lost their job. Um, it, it feels like so long ago, but how many people lost their job in 2020 through the summer? It was what, 60 million? Mm -hmm. This is a frightening time. And, when, and, and so I think all of these things were a perfect storm, Alex, to keep, um, keep that baby boomer generation from retiring. Well, I guess. Can I go, please, please. please. I, yeah. I want to add on to that because Shane made some great comments. It reminded me that there are two things that we're talking about that impact succession planning. One is the great resignation and one is the great retirement. Right. And I think retirement for the most part was put on hold. To Shane's point, there were some people because of the economy needed to keep their jobs, so they postponed retirement, plus work-life balance made it a lot easier uh, to stay on. But I think in terms of the great resignation, in addition to all the things I said in terms of how it disproportionately impacted women or maybe single parents in terms of being able to maintain a job and also household commitments, for succession planning, I think what that did was it forced leaders to start thinking about first retention. So I wanna, I wanna underscore that part again. First, how do we retain people? And then for the ones that we are return, retaining, we have to think about things like passion. How do you keep people inspired and encouraged to do the work, right? Because the other reason we saw people uh, or, or one of the, underlying, uh, or a catalyst, let me say that, a catalyst for the great resignation was people looked at COVID and said, life is too short to be doing something that you really don't love. <laughs> Maybe I want to spend the rest of my time on this earth really doing something I'm passionate about. So some people left and they became entrepreneurs. They started their own businesses. Some people left to pursue uh, career field choices that maybe seemed like they were unattainable before, but they said, I'm going to go for it now, right? So I think in the workplace, leaders need to be thinking about how do we inspire people and allow them to be passionate about 
the work that they do. And that means being a little more flexible and not putting people in boxes. Because I think that's one of the things people felt like they were boxed in and contained. So when we think about things like innovation, how can we create the psychological safety where people feel like they can speak up and they won't be humiliated, they won't be shut down, their voices will be heard? How do we create a sense of belonging for people so they want to work in this environment? They love the culture that we have. So when I think about succession, that's what I'm thinking about. It's beyond just how do we prepare future leaders? How do we support future leaders? But it is also thinking about how do we inspire them in a different way to stay here, to be motivated about this work and this work environment? So, so I, I want to, I want to, I want to dive into that and I want to test, test the soil a little bit. Um, so we're talking about succession planning, which is preparing leaders to go up the, the chain, you know, that knowledge management, all, yeah, we got succession planning and you talk about retention, um, the, providing a workplace for, where people want to be there and want to continue to contribute. Um, but I mean, if we look at the playing field, um, people generally just aren't staying at jobs that long. Like they, they, they staying at a job 10, 15 years is not a thing nowadays, generally speaking. So Shane, I'm going to ask you. So if, if people are just literally just aren't staying two, three years, possibly four, then how do you have a succession planning program if people just keep leaving? Like, can you, can you have a succession planning program if people keep leaving? I think the short answer is it's extremely difficult. It's very hard for you to bring somebody in. And part of succession workforce planning is not just analyzing what you have available to you now, but also how do we grow the talent that we have now? That's one piece of it. Uh, and fill the, fill in the voids, of course, but that's very difficult if somebody's if somebody's in and out of the in and out of the employment arena quickly, because now what's left? Let's say you've got a, a high performing engineer, and they have to have both management skills, but also the engineering skills to understand it. And and there are a lot of disciplines in the federal space too that have this challenge. Um, I'm sure Motorola must have this challenge as technologically oriented as you are. You lose somebody who's got all those technical skills. They've only been with you for a few, few years. That doesn't mean the technical needs go away. You have to have that to fulfill your mission. So you're, it puts the onus on, on hiring um, the right skill set, and that can be a challenge. You've got to make sure you pay to market. You've got to make sure that um, you're located in, in a place that uh, has that talent to take, uh, well, to get from your competitors, if you will. Generally, that's what you're talking about. It also, I think, um, it, it does talk to retention management. How do you keep those people with you longer and inspire them? And I think that's a combination of both income, but also I think we all know at this point that People are motivated by many things, not just money. So you've got to create that, that um, tremendous workforce. But, but Alex, I don't know if we're ever going to go back to the days of somebody working 
for 30, 40 years at one place. I, I, I think those days are, are gone. We, um, when I came to, to WEPA in a little anecdotal story, but it, it's interesting. Um, in 2016, in 2018, we had a lady retire from WEPA and she had been with the organization since 1969. So how often do you hear that kind of mm -hmm. story? Um, you know, my generation of people stayed at, at one company frequently for their entire career. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to go back to that. I don't think that toothpaste can go back in the tube. So to your point, <laughs> we have to find ways to deal with that. That's so, great. And I, Tanisha, what are the ways to deal with that? <laughs> well, so a couple of things I, I, I want to piggyback on something Shane said in terms of when I think about succession planning, right? And Shane said that goes hand in hand with workforce planning, looking at what are the future needs of the organizations in terms of the technical skill gaps, uh, do we have the appropriate number of people with the appropriate skills to do the work that we need to get done? And in considering that people are not staying at companies for 10, 15, 20 years anymore, let's just go back to the word succession planning. That means to have someone to succeed someone. To Shane's point, that does not have to be an internal successor. It could be someone externally. So there are two things I would say that we can do. One is if you're going to focus on your succession planning internally, it means broadening the pool of people who you are preparing to succeed <laughs> someone. Because many times we know what happens mm -hmm. is I have an affinity for someone. I like that person. That's my go-to person. So that's the person I've been personally mentoring personally coaching, everybody can tell that's who I'm setting up to be my heir apparent. That is who's going to succeed me. And typically there's only one person in that role. Why can't we expand that out and do that for five people, seven people, 10 people, so that when someone does leave and there's a role to fill, you have 10 solid candidates that you've been focused on. And if three of them leave, you still have seven. So that would be one of my strategies is I think companies for far too long have picked their one person and that they put all their eggs in that basket, that one person. Um, the other thing I would say is look at building your external bench. So go out and start doing your recruitment early, not when you have a need. So start building up that external bench by looking at the subject matter experts in the field that you're looking for that have the technical competencies, the emotional intelligence, the leadership skill, all of that, and just forge relationships with these individuals. And so that when you do have a vacancy, you already have several people in mind versus you're scrambling now and you're competing with everybody else. You've been fostering that relationship all along. You know, what's funny is every gig, I call them gigs, but the full-time jobs mm -hmm. <laughs> I've had um, over like the last six, seven years um, have been through those relationships, people mm -hmm. intentionally building relationships with me and vice versa. And then there's an opportunity and they say, Hey, Alex, are you interested in this? Versus like you said, just throwing it out to the wolves and, and hoping someone will, will, will pick it up. The right person will pick it up. I, I, I love the idea. And it's something definitely alignment with what I'm always talking about. It, Shane, I'd like to ask you, 
you know, as, as a CEO, you know, what qualities do you look for when considering hiring someone for a leadership role? If we're talking about that, you know, hiring and bringing people in. I, I think, I think it's a multiple, it's a multiple, it's a many, many skills approach. So there's, there are people skills, there are management skills that, that is a discipline in and of itself. And mm-hmm. some people are better at it than others. Um, we, I think for leaders today, um, we also do uh, look for you know, empathy and the ability to think outside the box with, with your uh, employees and those people that, that are around you and, and building that honest, open and transparent leadership style that we do hear a lot of people talking about. And today it, that really does matter. Um, so of course the technical skills, if, if, if you're, if you're not familiar now, can a person who has no background at all in a certain business transfer his or her leadership skills to another company that's in an entirely different business? Yeah, it can happen, but it doesn't happen much. You know, usually the people that run the big auto manufacturers or auto GM, they're promoting internally the whole time. And those are, those are career lifers that, that come up through the organization. Why? Because you have to understand the business dynamically. Um, I, I would say an intangible one, but I find really obvious when you see it and it helps a great deal. And that is curiosity. You know, is a person intellectually curious? Are they, are they looking around the corner? Are they looking forward? Are they looking backwards? Are they, are they, um, interested in what's going on at the company, but also in the environment generally. Uh, this is a, um, not something you're going to see on a, on a job description, <laughs> but I do think intellectual curiosity to me, uh, that that's extremely important. I really quickly, um, I thought curiosity killed the cat. Mm. I, I had to say that, it. Sorry. That, that's, <laughs> that's, that's your cat, Alex. <laughs> we have you know what? cats here. <laughs> you know what I will say to that, though, Alex? I was speaking to someone recently about being a trailblazer. And we all know that trailblazers don't always get the benefit of blazing the trail. It's the people who come behind them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so maybe sometimes curiosity does kill the cat. But we need the cats who are curious to move forward and make advances. I mean, had it not been for the for individuals who have taken on the hard task of trying out any new technology first and probably failing, we wouldn't know what didn't work. <laughs> right. Um, there are so many things that we can point to that whoever blazed the trail didn't necessarily benefit from it, but the people coming behind them. Yeah. did. And I think you see that in companies many times. Sometimes it's five, 10 years later, and that person's already gone because something failed, but it's the foundation that they laid that set up success for other people coming behind them. Two things I want to add that I think in terms of leadership skills, in addition to the list that Shane gave, I would say COVID has taught us that we need leaders who are agile, who can adapt who know how to manage disruption, because we saw so much disruption. We think about supply chain disruption. We think about the polarized communities, social injustices, equity issues that people 
we're confronted with. We think about disruption with technology. How many people had to learn how to use video technology? And still to this day, it's like, oh, sorry, you're on mute. So-and-so, right? We're still struggling with that almost two years. <laughs> in. Um, but all the adaptation that we had to do as a result of COVID. So I think future leaders, current and future leaders, will need the skill and ability to manage disruption and to adapt to change. That's going to be a huge one. Um, one of my, my, my recent episodes, I interviewed uh, uh, Craig Fugate, who was, the, uh, was Obama's FEMA administrator, and he talked about um, embrace the chaos, right? Mm. You got to be able to embrace the chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I love it. And again, this is actually a topic that I keep talking about on this show is when you're talking about ad, being agile, you're also talking about being resilient because mm. things are not going to go your way. And so how do we create spaces within our organizations where we can allow people the opportunity to, to fall and bump their knee and, and, and know that yeah, you bumped your knee and hurt but you can learn from it. You don't need to scream and run out the organization because you've been to me. Um, pet peeve of mine. So <laughs> there's two questions I, I really want to ask both of you. Um, and so I'm going to throw this first one at you, Tanisha, and then we'll go to Shane, and then I'll flip it the next way around. So um, this is something that I've, I've spoken to Shane about. So I'm going to give it to you first so Shane doesn't um, uh, give you the answer. Um, but how do you, when you're looking at success and planning and, and build and preparing these people for these next opportunities, leadership opportunities, how do you ensure that your bias doesn't, doesn't cause someone who should have the opportunity to miss that opportunity, right? Because we all know there are people who are really great, but for some reason, they don't get the opportunity. Is there a way to make sure you're whatever bias it is or whatever lens we may have on, is there a way to make sure the right people get the opportunities, even though they're not the most flashy and outwardly spoken people? Thank you for tuning in to The Alex Tremble Show. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year-round. WEPA has been insuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEBA can be used as a supplement or a replacement for Fegley and can cost less. Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WEPA Group Term Life Insurance and see how much you could save by visiting waepa.org today. If you're a manager in the federal government, do you have Fed's Protection Professional Liability Insurance? Because if you don't, you need to get it. Having a Fed's policy means that you will be protected against any professional capacity lawsuit, administrative action, or criminal investigation arising from actions taken in the scope of your employment. This insurance is a must-have for federal managers and starts at just $209 a year. Plus, your agency will reimburse you for half of this cost. To learn more, visit www.fedsprotection.com or call 866-955-3337 today. 
And now back to The Alex Tremble Show with your host, Alex Tremble. Absolutely. And so I want to start with, it starts with me, right? It starts with me understanding why I like some people and why I don't like other people. Why I have a tendency to help some people and other people I don't help. (laughs) So that first starts with me. And I have to do an assessment of whether or not that dislike or my affinity for them um, is rooted in objective data, right? Or is it some non-merit-based data? So I think that's the first you know, starting point. But I think anyone who has raised their hand and they're willing to put in the work, they're willing to make sure that um, they're a continuous learner, they put in the time, the effort, and they're showing you that they want to grow, they're showing you they want to contribute, we should make sure all of those individuals get a shot, right? Um, So I'm a firm believer in first starting with yourself, doing some assessment about your biases, then seeing how your biases are preventing you from giving everybody full and fair opportunities to contribute and thrive. Um, and, I, and we'll go to shame, but I hope we can come back to psychological safety because I think that's a huge part of this. Well, l- let's let's go to shame really quick and see if we can get back to psychological safety. <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking, I, I, I don't want to talk. I want to hear about that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, <clears throat> I think all of that is, is perfect. I think recognizing uh, anybody's personal bias is, is, uh, first and foremost, you have to spend some time with that one and uh, make sure that it, in fact, is not guiding you in any way, shape, or form. Um, it's also very easy to to do that with, um, or at least <clears throat> one of the things that, that can help is making sure that opportunities and assessments really are based on, on, uh, on tangible skill sets, um, you know, it, it, are the are the are the skills there and and i really like this idea of of the drive you know does somebody have the drive because if you present an opportunity um you do want people to step up and take that that challenge this is another uh, uh, thing that 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 we look for but if you don't present the opportunity then then you're missing the boat um but uh, what what was that phrase again? Psychological safety. Safety. I have mm-hmm. not heard that one. I, I have to hear more about this. So psychological safety is really where you foster a climate and environment where people feel free to share their perspectives, their ideas, um, even if it is something counter to the organizational cultural norms but they know that they can do so without the fear of being humiliated, being judged, or being shunned. And it's only when you have an environmental with psychological safety that you can truly have innovation, right? Because otherwise you have groupthink. Everybody's saying the things that they think someone wants to hear, or you have the constant, we've always done it that way. That's how we've, we've done it. We've tried that before, it didn't work. Um, so really to inspire innovation, you have to allow individuals to feel free to voice their perspectives. Again, even if it's inconsistent with what others have said or typically think. 
And I, I, I forgot why I even brought it up, Alex, but you, something you said prompted me um, in terms, oh, in terms of the biases, because I will be the first to admit, I, you know, I worked with an individual a while ago and um, the individual didn't have the same work ethic that I had. Didn't mean it was bad. It just was not consistent with mine. And one of the things that I've since learned as a leader is we have to model the behaviors we want to see. You, you, I've heard that growing up, model the behaviors you want to see. But sometimes those behaviors that you want to see may not be the best behaviors. So for example, we know that some leaders expect people be the first ones there and the last one to leave. Now we know we really shouldn't probably expect you know that from individuals, especially if just because you showed up first and you la left last doesn't mean that you did as much work as someone that just showed up <laughs> for five hours, right? <laughs> um, so I had all these expectations of people who reported to me because I grew up the hard way. You know, I feel like I had to scratch and climb my way up the ladder. So I had these really lofty expectations of my staff members. So one in particular, for whatever reason, I just didn't click with this individual and, and uh, personality. And something came up where there was a task and this individual was always late meeting deadlines. And that's a, that's a pet peeve of mine, meeting, uh, not meeting suspenses. Well, I gave this person a task, didn't deliver it to me by five. So I was forced to stay at work. I submitted um, the information and I essentially said, this is a negative response because we don't have anything of value to uh, provide. Well, the next day, the individual gave me his input at 10 a.m. And when I tell you, it looked like a dissertation and rich information, great feedback, things I never would have thought about before. And I was like, this is awesome, right? But I almost didn't put it forward just because he gave it to me late, right? And I kind of wanted to teach a lesson, <laughs> you know, around <laughs> that. But it would have been a disservice to the organization to not put that forward. Um, so that forced me to start working with this individual more because I saw that he had the talent. I saw that he had the drive. He just was not doing it in a way congruent with my value system, right? But we could work on that. But this is someone who would get shut down because he was not adhering to this personal value system that I had established, so, so I, I have a follow-up question about what both of you shared, but I have one question I really do want to get out there. The follow-up question really quickly is, Ms. Tanisha, you said um, if someone raises their hand, um, Mr. Mm -hmm. Shane, you said if they have the drive to, to, to take on a new project and whatnot. My mm -hmm. question is, whose responsibility is it to... Is it the leader's responsibility or the organization's responsibility to, to help that person who doesn't raise their hand, who doesn't feel comfortable mm. raising their hand, or doesn't feel comfortable you know, stepping out to try to take on that project? Is that on them? And hey, that's a miss for them because they didn't raise their hand or take on the new project. Or should leaders be doing something to call those people out and give the actually open and give them an opportunity? Um, let's go Shane, then it's Ms. Tanisha, relatively quick, I can squeeze in one more question. <laughs> I don't think there's a clean answer to that, Alex. I think it's both. I think that that it's incumbent upon somebody who wants to advance to look for opportunities and, and step forward. And I think it's incumbent upon leaders to 
make sure that they have opportunities to do just that. And I think the confluence of those two things um, is demonstrated by somebody who's given a shot and takes it. I, you certainly don't want to cut people out from opportunities, and it's incumbent upon leaders to make sure, yeah, this opportunity is open to everybody. I've verbalized it. I've talked to people. But you also need somebody who, who's willing to step up. And um, I think it's I think it's both. That's not a that's not a rich answer per se, but I, I do think the human dynamic um, plays back and forth between leader and somebody beneath them. And and um, you know the, the the leadership role, you know, it's not just uh, like my title is CEO, and I don't have anybody else in the building, but who's technically above me. But that's not really true at all. I have 13 board members. They're my boss. We all have a boss. And if, as a nonprofit, you might even say, we literally and figuratively and fiduciary, have a fiduciary responsibility to serve our members. So if you really want to get technical and think about it, our boss is 46,000 people plus. So um, I don't think there's a place in the organization where this doesn't apply. This dynamic of mm -hmm. both sides have to be in the game. Oh, I, see, is it my turn to answer? Yes. Oh. <laughs> 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 so Shane, I couldn't agree with you more. I just want to add one more level to that. And that would be, we have to know our people. And I think I heard this is where you were going. It's not a clean answer because Sometimes people have stopped raising their hands because their hands have not been acknowledged in the past. And that's what we don't know sometimes. Sometimes people come to us with, and someone gave me uh, this metaphor the other day of we're carrying around this backpack filled with rocks. Was it you, Alex, that told me? Someone told me, and I thought, wow, that's each job you pick up these rocks and you put them in this backpack, right? We don't know all the rocks people have in their backpacks, what baggage they're bringing into our workplace, right? And so I think some people have been shut down and excluded so much that they're counting themselves out, right? And as people leaders, sometimes we have to help them unpack that knapsack. We have to find out what those rocks are in there and then give them a chance to get re-engaged. Because I always say it's not the people who quit and leave that are our biggest issue, it's the people who quit and stay, <laughs> right? And so and when I say biggest issue, of course, we want to retain people, but we have to look at the people that we have here and who has checked out, who stopped raising their hand, and why did they stop raising their hand? Uh, I, boy, I, I have to jump in here. That, that's, uh, that's really well said. This is where the leader does, is, it's, it's, it's your duty to make sure you understand your people and give them opportunities and be aware, um, uh, you know, be conscious of that and, and, and take a look, a look deeper. I think you get probably your experience is similar when you get somebody who might have been in that situation and then um, they got opportunities. Wow. They are superstars. Absolutely. Every time. Every time. Absolutely. And even the little, reward and recognition, right? Just public acknowledgement, like, oh my God, Shane, 
What a great idea. That's something we really need to look at. Or, oh, Shane did this thing the other day. Just that little acknowledgement, that little starts bringing them back in and they feel like they have value and they can make meaningful contributions. And I only know that story so well, Shane, because I've been on that side of putting my hands down. And I think there are so many people in your audience listening who can empathize, sympathize with that, or who've been there before where they felt excluded and they didn't feel valued. And then they just stopped contributing, right? And we all hurt when people become disengaged in our workforce. There's a high cost of disengagement in our workforce. And so, yeah, that's incumbent on us as leaders to see and recognize those individuals who have been, um, who've become disengaged. See, I, I, there is a reason why I was looking forward to this conversation. So last question. Okay, really quickly, real quick, real quick. Mm -hmm. pow, pow, pow. That's my cut and heart um, reference. Mm -hmm. pow, pow, pow. Um, so we talked about from your standpoint, your leadership standpoint, what you're looking for um, in an individual if you're looking to hire someone and bring someone up and you know, again, prepare them for those, that, that succession planning. Um, if you are talking to just a person off the street, it's a random person. Let's just say Alex is random. Um, what would you say is the number one thing? Alex, you know, if you want to progress in your career, you need to do this. I'm gonna give you a second to think about it. Alex, if you wanna progress in your career, you need to do this. Who's going first? I, you you wanna go first. <laughs> I, I would say know your North Star. Know your North Star. Know where you're trying to go. That's what I tell all of my mentees. You have to know where you want to go. What position do you wanna help? Uh, whole, where do you want to be? And then your next step is to create your plan to get there. And that plan is going to be who can help me get there? What do I need to do to get there? What are some roadblocks I might encounter? And what are my plans to navigate those roadblocks? Yes, ma'am. Kind sir. Well, that was so elegantly put. I, I'm I'm struggling with this one a little bit, except that um, I I would say uh, you know be show up, you know, be your full self when you when you come come to work. Um, you know, that, now that that's not the personal assessment per se that Tanisha was talking about that, that I think is absolutely critical. But when it comes to the interfacing with with the workplace you know, be there be be engaged you know don't 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 sit at your desk listening to your iphone while you're while you're you know be in the moment and enjoy your work and and all of that stuff wraps up into you know there there was an, an old book it, you you all are younger than me but um there was a a, a book in the 70s called be here now and it was a little bit of a <clears throat> of a of a hippie thing, and my mother went through a hippie phase. So I I've, I've read this book, <laughs> and um, and it was really its principal thesis was being in the moment, and that means when you're working, you know, be engaged, enjoy your work, um, and and this will 
not just make you do a better job, but it rubs off on other people too. And people see that, oh, this person loves what they do. Tanisha, you mentioned, uh, I think early on that a version of that, that, that you, you are engaged and you love what you do and look where you are now. You know, this, this is rewarded over time. Mm-hmm. And Alex, I know you can edit. So I'm going to say one thing <laughs> real quick, Shane, as you were talking, the one thing that came to mind and I have it on my monitor and I can't take it off because it's a, it's a, like a permanent sticky, but I have produce with an exclamation mark. Anytime things are going at work and my insecurities come up or I'm nervous about something or I'm, I'm uncertain about where things are going, what I do know is constant is that I can produce and that other things will take care of itself as long as I continue to produce, right? <laughs> and so that, that's the one thing that drives me, just produce. That's what I tell people. Uh, and, what, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then finally, I will say too, because Alex, I know you can edit, but I think this is really important because I want to give tangible, practical advice um, to leaders. Even though I know, you know, many of the people listening out here are leaders and probably feel like we all feel like we, we've read all the books, we know all the strategies and all that. But I want to give just some practical examples that we can do in terms of bringing people back in and re-engaging them. Something as simple as if you're offered a speaking engagement and you do a million speaking engagements, why can't you offer that to someone else coming up behind you? Give them that opportunity to have that visibility. Uh, when you're in meetings, defer to them. I don't know, Shane, what do you think? Cause Shane, you were telling me about this other thing. Why don't you share with them that idea that you gave me the other day. If someone cuts you down, Shane, I stop that. And I go, I think Shane was, can we let Shane finish making his point about that thing? I mean, those are little things you can do to re-engage people. Um, Introduce them to your network, help them build their social capital, right? Uh, Speak their name in places that they can't get into yet. So they're so many ways that we can re-engage people. And I think that re-engagement is critical to helping them succeed someone. So that was the point of me raising it. So I am, I am, I'm now confident that um, the two of you refuse to let me end this on time today. Um, So (laughs) I'm going to need to go a couple minutes over um, because I want to give you both the space to kind of talk your final thoughts, but I just want to say really quickly, um, what Shane and Ms. Tanisha just said, I completely agree with. Um, they talked about, you know, Shane brought up, um, be, be in the moment, be there, be like, give it your all, be focused. Um, Tanisha then said, talk about um, knowing where you want to go, you know, have an idea, know your North Star. Then she said, develop a plan and a strategy to get there, right? You, you, you got to do this stuff. And if, if I could add one last thing on there, one last thing, um, the last thing would be, be ready to change that plan mm. because as you go through life, as you have experiences, you're going to say, you know what? I like this, or I like that, or I don't like this. And you have the flexibility to then readjust your life and go in a different direction. Um, so many people I talk to are, are so worried about taking that first step because what if it's not the right step? Well, I can promise you um, 
I'm going to put myself out there. Um, at the beginning of Shane's career, at the beginning of Tanisha's career, um, she did not know that she was going to be at Motorola. Shane did not know he was going to be at Weibo. I am fairly confident of that, you know, over a period of time, they ultimately ended up there. But they didn't start off knowing that. So I am now going to open up the floor again so we can start to wrap up. Mr. Shane, then Tanisha, um, you have any final thoughts, any idea, advice, or anything you'd just like to share about your organization as we wrap up, sir? Um, I, I'm not sure about the organization, but but T Tanisha made a couple of comments that made made me think of, especially through 2020 with um, with with all the social changes and and you know a lot of the uh, social issues that were coming up, um, you know, and we did at 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 work we did we refreshed our um, anti bias training and we had. Um, we took another look at our at ourselves generally. I would say something that I'm seeing more and more of, and I really like it. And that is, let's 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 give each other a little grace. You know, let's 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 be um, let's be mindful of our of ourselves, our actions, and what we say and do. But at the same time, allow people to make mistakes and, and um, grow, because if we don't make mistakes, we can't grow. And if everybody's too afraid to, to really engage, um, I think that's going to hurt us long term. So, um, but I think that self-analysis and that analysis mm -hmm. within the workplace is absolutely critical. And um, I would say, let's not just leave that in 2020. Let's make this a permanent part of our, our new work environment. Thank you so much for sharing that, Shane. I'm, mm -hmm. I, I love it. I love it. Miss Tanisha. Yeah, I, I agree with what Shane said. I always tell people, I think we need to learn how to give more grace, give grace to others and also give grace to ourselves. So when you talked about the agility, I think you and Shane both said that earlier, agility, flexibility, ability to adapt. The reality that we will hit roadblocks in our careers. Um, we will find ourselves on a different path than the one that we laid out for ourselves. And sometimes it's about giving our own selves grace, right? Uh, permission to fail, permission to mess up somewhere, um, and knowing that we'll come out of it okay, and that we've come out of things before. I think that's what we have to remember. And I can tell you for me, given this highly polarized environment um, that we find ourselves in and that our organizations are really just a microcosm of larger society. One of the things that I'm finding, and I'm proud to be 53 years old, so I will say that. I don't know, Shane, how close that is to you. We were talking about the generational differences. <laughs> but one of the things now that I'm very confident in a leader is that I will start exercising more courageous leadership. And, you know, for me, that means being true to my own personal core values like integrity um, and speaking out when I think something is wrong. Whereas before, as a young leader, a rising leader, I had a family I was taking care of. I was concerned about a paycheck. I was concerned about career derailers, right? And I still will do things with tact 
and diplomacy and grace, but I will no longer allow myself to be led down a path where I may be asked to do something that's incongruent with my own value system. And so for me, you know, that's the thing as a leader and what I'm trying to encourage other people to do, um, you know, as those coming up behind, because people are looking for leaders to be authentic, authentic, and they're looking for them to act with integrity. And those are very important these days. Man, we could not have ended on a better note. Thank you so much, Ms. Tanisha. Thank you so much, Mr. Shan. I greatly appreciate, I know I and the audience greatly appreciate everything that you shared today. And we just, I just, I just want to, I just want to be repetitive and tell everyone, don't just look back, reach back. You knew what I was about to say. I say it every single time. Don't just look back, reach back. If you found anything of value in today's conversation, don't just say that, oh, that person over there should have been here. Oops, sorry for them. No, you share this with them. It's as easy as clicking the link that says share. Don't let this, this, this phenomenal advice that's set on my heart and set on your heart, I know it did. Don't let it go to waste. Don't let it stay just with you. Let it go and, and plant and grow someone else as well. So as always, this is Alex Trimble. Stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. See ya. Thanks for listening. Find us online at thealextrembleshow.com and be sure to share what you've learned with at least one other person today. Check back on the first and third Wednesday of each month for new episodes. Until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.